Let's pray and we'll dive into the message. Lord, I thank you so much for your presence here today. I thank you for expectation. I thank you that there's a desire in our hearts to grow, to become, to learn, to understand. Lord, I pray that that desire would increase even more and more every day. And I pray for everyone that's here and watching online, that your love and your presence, your life, your position of who you are would infiltrate our lives, our hearts, our families, our jobs, everything that we put our hand to every day of our life. My prayer today is that you'd lift our vision higher to see differently, to love differently, to live differently, to become more like you, to love more like you. And I pray, God, that as we hear your word, it would penetrate our hearts. And I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm starting a new series, and the series title is Heavenly. The series title is Heavenly. And this came from an encounter that I had with the Lord that I talked about a while back when I was uh, talking with him, walking with him. I was actually working out at the time. And I said to the Lord in my prayer, I said, God, I want to see what you see. And God said, you can't handle what I see. And I said, you're right. I want to see what you want me to see. I want you to give me a fresh perspective so that I can always understand what it is that you're seeing so that I can love properly, live properly, and walk through this life the way that you want me to walk through this life. And God began to speak to me about heavenly perspectives. He began to speak to me about our position in heaven. He began to speak to me about heavenly wisdom He began to speak to me about heavenly places. He began to speak to me about a heavenly vision, a heavenly calling. But most importantly, what he reminded me about was that he's a heavenly father. And I want to start this series today first with talking about the heavenly father, the heavenly father. I love titles only if they accurately represent the person. You have positional authority and you have spiritual authority. In the kingdom of God, God gives you both. You're positional by your identity, who you are as a son, who you are as a daughter. So I'm, I have positional authority because I'm in the family. If you're not in the family and you've not surrendered your life to the Lord, you do not have positional authority, okay? Nor do you have spiritual authority, Now, I'd rather have spiritual authority because a lot of people have titles and have positions but have no authority. Just because you have a title does not give you the authority. It may cause people to have to submit to you, but that doesn't mean that they'll respect you, honor you, and follow you. There's too many people in the church today that have titles, but they don't have or have positional authority, but they don't have spiritual authority. And what you have to realize is that God gives you both in the kingdom, and more often than not, religion and man will give you a title, but give you no spiritual authority. And so the heavenly father gives you spiritual authority, and the heavenly father has positional authority. It's a title that's so important for you to understand. So this series is going to address the term heavenly or heavenlies from a biblical perspective what that term means for us on earth and 
who we are actually called to be in position as a heavenly body of Christ. The term heavenly is used at least 25 times specifically, not counting the term heaven and all the different understandings related to it. Heavenly means a dwelling place or a coming from a dwelling place. It's a position, it's a place, it's in the expanse, it's celestial, it's high above us, it's a place where God dwells, and it's a place where he comes to invade our space. But it's more than just a place, it's also a position. It's one of authority, power, transcendence, perfection, and overcoming. We overcome because he's above. We overcome because he has overcome it. We overcome because he's coming from a different place. It's his place that invades our space. So follow me here because I'm setting the tone for this series. There's going to be a lot of things that we're going to talk about in the context of heavenly or heavenlies. It's a place that we have to see from, live from, love from, be called from, get wisdom from, and gain understanding from. So let me give you a little bit of insight into what we're going to talk about in this series. First, today, we're going to talk about the Heavenly Father. It's a term used six times, and the term Father in heaven is used 18 times. We have a heavenly vision. Jesus said to John, I'm sorry, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, if I tell you earthly things and you don't understand, how are you going to understand heavenly things. Jesus is known as the heavenly man, and we are called to be a heavenly people in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Heavenly places is used five times in Ephesians 1, 2, 3, and 6. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're going to talk about that. There's a heavenly calling, Hebrews 3. There's heavenly wisdom, James 3, which is different than the wisdom of this world. You have to have heavenly wisdom, which transcends the wisdom of the world around us. And everything in this world wants to give you worldly wisdom. It can be right, but not righteous. We look for principles. We look for behavior modification. We look for the ways to live better and differently. And most of it comes from this earth, not from heaven. So there's heavenly wisdom. There's a heavenly gift. <clears throat> in fact, in Hebrews chapter 6, we get an understanding of apostasy. And this speaks to the once saved, always saved mindset. It's near impossible for somebody to lose their salvation. It's nearly impossible. They would have to have five things happen in their life for them to lose their salvation. And one of them would be to taste the heavenly gift and reject it. I know I have some of your interests now. That's something we'll talk about another time. This is going to be a great series. Because you, you've got to understand the term heavenly. If the father is identified as a heavenly father or a father in heaven, there's a reason why God wants you to understand his position and how that position needs to invade this position that we're living in now. In the whole context of the heavenly man, there's this understanding that we were once natural and then we became spiritual. It's not spiritual. There's no, you were always spiritual. It was, 
you were natural, then God invaded your space and made you, you were a man or woman of dust, and now you are heavenly. We're going to talk about this, this positional authority that God changes in your life so that you're not of this world anymore. You can't just have the nice sticker on your car, not of this world, or wear the hat or the shirt, which I have done. It can't just be another nice cliche, I'm not of this world. You've got to have an understanding. I'm teaching this for a purpose, not to be so super spiritual that you can't understand it. I've got to sh- we've got to shift out of this worldly mindset, and first and foremost comes the understanding of a heavenly father. I'll explain it to you. We have to have a heavenly perspective coupled with an eternal mindset here and now. You know, I love 2 Corinthians 5. I've done more funerals in the last couple of years than I care to do, but I actually can really enjoy funerals because I tend to have people's attention on another level at a funeral. And I don't really actually care what they think. I just hit them right between the eyes. And I actually, at funerals, I've preached less and less because I just bring the words, shoot them straight. It's like, you need to have, a, have an understanding of eternity now. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, it makes, uh, the, the Apostle Paul makes this statement. says, whether we are present or whether we are absent, here or in heaven, we make it our aim to please the Lord. So we have to have a mindset, a heavenly mindset, and see the way that he sees. It's not so much the place of heaven as it is the person in the place, right? It's like there's so many books and you can learn so much and be careful about what you hear and listen to. But there's a lot of people that have written a lot of things and the Bible has a lot to say about the place of heaven. And I don't know that this may not segue to that. I I never, ever would have thought I would teach on heaven. I mean, I love talking about overcoming identity, the father's heart, the father's heart. We're going to talk about that today. I own this message. You need to own this message I'm going to teach you today. Because he's a heavenly father. He's a heavenly father. You know what's so great about that? He's better than the dad that you had. He's better than the dad that I am to my kids. In my best day, I fail in comparison to how much he loves and how good he is. You know how many times the father corrects me in my fathering on a daily basis? <laughs> it's like, okay. Man, it's constant. And, and it's all in the context of how I can love better. I'm always, God, if, I'm, if you're gonna compare yourself to anyone or anything, compare yourself to the father's love. That's a good thing. Am I loving like the father? Would he love like that? I, and this is, this is more than the nice bracelet of WWJD. What would Jesus do? It's constant. Is this the Father's love? There are so many fathering issues in our lives and in people's lives. Everywhere I go, people are so... Hurt. We care so much about what our fathers have done to us. And we, it has affected every single one of us. That's why there has to be a father that comes from another better place and position. He's a heavenly father. It's not just a nice saying that we say in a prayer. 
So it's not so much the place that it is the person the place and the position of that person above our place. That's what I love is he's, he's transcendent. He's not stuck in the immediacy of where I'm at. He's not stuck in my situation. In fact, Jesus says, hook up to me. My yoke is easy. Let me lead you. I'll actually carry you out of it because he comes from a better position. It's a place that we desperately need our place invaded. We need the heavenly father to invade our space. It's a position that we're called to live in this place. We spend so much time focusing on our, on our identity instead of his identity. Think about how much everything is. And I, trust me, identity is like my number one. But God's like, you're so focused on who you are instead of who I am. We spend so much time focusing on the immediacy of our life and our needs and our cares and our wants and worries and doubts and disbelief. And we're so focused on our identity and who we are and who we aren't. And some of you don't even care. And God's like, focus on me and my position instead of my position overcomes your position. It's his position versus our position. This is the good news. My dad abandoned me as a child. I, have, I still have fathering issues. I still have to remind myself to forgive how a father could abandon a son at one. And still to this day not want to have anything to do with me. But every day I release him and I forgive him for he knows I may not understand it. And I'm not angry and bitter. But the truth is. It's an injustice. And injustice has happened to all of us. Luis talked about his injustice on Wednesday night. If you didn't hear it, you should listen to it. It was incredible. So proud of him. And it was hard showing a picture of a, a, a whip that he was whipped with by his dad. And how it, how it infiltrated his heart and how he, lead, how he was leading his girls. Thank God he got rescued. Thank God God pulled him out. There's not one of us in this place that doesn't have some sort of fathering thing that holds us back or limits us in our view of who he is. If you can't see the father as a heavenly, loving, perfect, there's perfection in heaven. And God wants that place to come here. We have a responsibility to drive back darkness and injustice. If you have a position of authority as an officer or a father or a mother or a pastor or a leader or God entrusts you with an ability of his most precious jewels and gems, you must be like him. You must love like him. You must see like him, hug like him, trust like him, bless like him. And if you haven't had that in your, from your earthly father, the great news is, is he's better it's the number one reason why I came to the Lord. It wasn't because of hell, fire, and brimstone. It was because I needed a father. Yeah. And I need him as much today as I've ever, ever needed him. And so do you. You've got to forgive and let go of the fathering issues in your life. You can't hang on to this wound. It's who... We focus so much on who I am instead of who he is. My need versus his desire and power to easily provide for what I really need. 
And God hears our cries and he, he wants us to cry out in our needs. But he wants to bring you to this place of trust and understanding that he already knows what you need before you even asked. He's so in love with you. He cares so much about you. He's so much better than your dad ever was or ever could be. He's constantly thinking about his love and kindness for you. You need the father's love to infiltrate your heart. And though our identity as sons and daughters is crucial to how we live our lives in Christ, I love that message, without, but without confidence and understanding in who he is first, I'll simply put my trust in nice Christian cliches and platitudes. You know what a platitude is? A platitude is, is a constant saying or statement that said so much and it has moral content behind it, but it's been used so often it's not even interesting or thoughtful anymore. Like the term Christian. Christian can mean anything in this day and age. How many people lay claim to being a Christian and yet their lives are completely disastrous and contrary to the heart of the Father? I use this example all the time because I remember hearing and seeing a thing from the KKK that claimed to be the true sons of God and Christians. How many people have their hearts full of hate? And the Bible would say so many times, you can't, you can't say you love God and hate your neighbor. There's no schism or division in the father's heart. There's nothing but perfect love. There's nothing but a complete self abandonment of being selfish and self-reliant. So many people say, like, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. What's the most important thing? Oh yeah, I'm a son. But our lives and our fear and our worry and our doubts don't back up what we say. I can't tell you how much fear has infiltrated my heart over my life as a Christian. And I've cried out to God. I remember when I was in a, the, one of the most difficult times in my life as a campus pastor prior to Rock City Church. And I was in a hard, dark place. What I would call the fog. I was in a fog, foggy season of my life. And I cried out to God. He said, do you believe who, who I say I am? I said, well, of course I do. And then he took it a step further. He says, do you believe that I'm who you sing about in your worship services? And it hit me. I, I was like, probably not. Because we sing all these things about how great and how good and how faithful and how trusting and how loving and all these things. But deep in our heart, we don't actually live to the standard of what we claim. And it was a personal thing. I'm not trying to beat anybody up here. What I'm saying is God was calling me into greater trust. God is calling you into greater trust as a loving father, as a caring father, as a total dependence from a father who comes from a much. And in fact, it's a place he even created himself. So if he created that place, he can create a place for you on earth as it is there. It's all with a purpose. It's all with a purpose. So this series is designed to reveal the heart of the creator, the one who created all things and what comes from him and his will for your life. And there's a lot of activity happening in heaven, by, by the way. There's a lot of activity happening in heaven. And, as, and that can be a year-long series. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure that I will talk some about that. 
But what's most important is the position that he comes from and the position he puts you in in your identity. I want you to lift your vision higher in the understanding of who he is and in turn who you become in him. Not from him, but in him. It's not a from, it's an in. You've got to see that when you give your life to Christ, you, be, you are now in Christ. I'm part of him as the body. It's, I'm not external just getting his hand. I'm in him getting his heart. And I'd rather have his heart than his hand. And when you get his heart, you'll get his hand. And it's from that place of becoming that we have access. Everybody say, I have access. Well, I'm going to teach you what you have access to. So we can start to overcome. We are more than conquerors. You are more than, more than. And this should, this should encourage you and bring rest to your life and your situation. All hell's breaking loose around us, but there's no hell in my heart. So let's talk about the father's position. Matthew chapter six, verse one. Matthew 6, 1, take heed that you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven. So God sees from heaven. God sees differently. God's positioned differently. The Father's positioned differently. Psalm 11, verse 4 and 5. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Now watch this. Some of you may have never seen this before. You've heard me teach you everything is a test. Everything is a test because God sees everything. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, throughout the whole earth, searching and looking for those whose heart is, per is perfect towards him. That's why I make mistakes and failures, but I know my heart. Right. And that's why you've got to understand that it's a heart issue. Some of you are measuring everything up by your shortcomings and failures, and that's what the devil wants. God loves you and loves your heart. Lord's throne is heaven. His eyes, I want you to see this, his eyes behold and his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. So everything is a test and he sees it all. And he rewards properly. Why? Because he's full of justice and righteousness. He's righteous. He's just. So I've got to tap in to the throne. We're going to talk later in this series about what I call being a throne room traveler. You have access. He's passed through the heavens and now we can come boldly, not sheepishly, passively, fearfully. Hebrews 4, I can come boldly before the throne to obtain something. So, but first you've got to see the character and nature of the father's love so you can go without fear. Because if you got father issues, you're going to see and you don't get those healed. Your synaptic connection in your brain towards the heavenly father is going to be broken. If you were abused, abandoned, if your father, I had a dad that did not point me to the heartbeat of the father. In some ways he demonstrated it, but in more ways he didn't instill it. And so in turn, I had fathering issues in my life, abandonment issues, neglect issues, so I always tried to measure up and perform and win people's love and affection by how, what I did for them because I didn't want to be rejected. 
I cared more about what other people thought than what God thought. And that's the premise here. Why would anybody pray publicly so that people can see it and be rewarded by people instead of being in the private to be rewarded by God? Because it's a fathering issue. It's a performance-based issue. It's a measuring up issue. I was thinking about worship this morning and the sound issues. I'm like, when the sound issues goes off back in the day, man, I'd be blowing gaskets. And now I'm like, man, I'm going to worship even more. I'm like static. Okay, worship. Mark's guitar. Oh, man. I'm going to get my hands up higher because God's looking at me instead of perfection and performance. And some of you got a perfection performance thing that was instilled to you by your daddy and it needs to be broken because God loves you no matter what and for who you are, period. Think of the things that the modern church gets upset about and leaves church about. How the worship this and too loud and the lights and the this. You know what I care about? I care about the hearts. And if their hearts are pure, you can lead all day long because I trust you. It's a heart issue. And I don't expect perfection. If you bomb it and blow it, I'm going to love you just the same because God's in the overcoming and in the failures. That's a father's heart. That's the father's heart. And you need the father's blessing. You need a big fatherly love inside of you. So many Christians are living like orphans. Matthew 6, 5 through 6. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue. So they're communing and talking to no one, by the way. I just want to make sure you understand. They're hypocritical. They're not, they think they're talking to God, but they're not. And I, we got people in our lives that and you're going to have this too that are going to lay claim to Christianity and actually persecute you in the name of God. Can you imagine? It's easy to think, oh, the world's going to persecute you. Okay, yeah, they don't know what I know. But when people lay claim, that's what the Pharisees were. Jesus' greatest adversary wasn't even the enemy, it was the Pharisees. And if you're not careful, we'll become Christian religious Pharisees. How? Because we're not living from a heavenly father perspective. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. So why are they doing it? To be seen by men. Can't you see we're living in a world where everything's about be seen by men? And the more pressure that I feel to be seen by men, the more I retreat. It's not that I don't have something to say or do. I'm never short on things to say, ever. <laughs> I like to talk. I had to pray long and hard about this series because I want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about relationships. I want to talk about kids. I want to talk about helping you to manage your finances. I got a million topics. Your position of righteousness. I have so many things I love to talk about. But this heavenly perspective is going to position and prepare us for what's coming because I, so many of us are stuck in seeing in the immediacy of the world around us. And if we don't heal this daddy wound inside your heart, if you don't get this daddy wound, I think God cares. You know what's happening in the end time? It's Malachi 4.6. It's the spirit of Elijah. Turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. Because see, when it turns to, when the heart of the fathers and mothers turns to kids, it, it doesn't become about you anymore. 
It's not about us. They do it to be seen by men. But assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to who? Who is in the secret place. And your father who sees there will reward you here. You see, he's waiting. We say, God, I'm waiting for you, but he's, wait, he's waiting for you. He just wants to spend time with you and meet you and love you. But if you have a father wound, you're not going to see him as a good father, and hence you will not spend time with him. What if your issue in reading your, the word and spending time in the secret place was a father issue, and you didn't even know it? I want nothing more than my children to spend time with me. My biggest burden every day is how fast time is going by. And I watch them watching them grow. And I think, man, it's going too fast. And my greatest desires were they look at me with their gaze and hug and want to give me a kiss and spend time with me. And I got to battle all these distractions. I'm distracted. Money and work and stuff. And my burning passion has become for children. And that is the Father's love for you. He wants to be with you. Notice he's already there. Do you see it? Where he's waiting. So he came from his position to meet you in this place. You got to see it. Because we think, man, if I pray in tongues and cry and march around and... Sorry, I got to blow my nose. Turn this off for a second. I think it's hilarious when I go back to listen to this message and I hear (coughs) snotting and blowing my nose. Edit that out. Edit that out. (laughs) So where is God? Go go and shut the door because he's there. How fast will he be there? 
Is it based on your performance? Is it based on your, bet, your really good devotion? Is it based on how much you worship? Is it based on how much you read? No, because God doesn't have an agenda except to love you perfectly. He knows what you need more than anyone knows. His eyelids see. He just wants you. He doesn't want all the things that you're going to do and say, because if you do it without him, then it's pointless. So the Pharisees, the hypocrites wanted to see, be seen by man instead of God. What would you rather? Do you want to see, be seen by men or do you want to be seen by God? Do you want to be rewarded by men or rewarded by God? The father rewards openly what he sees privately. So Matthew 6, 8 says, don't be like them. For your father knows. Everybody say, the father knows. He knows the things that you have needed before you ask him. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to ask. He wants you to come in agreement with him. But he wants you to do it from a place of trust and rest because he loves you and he cares about you. And he knows the father knows best. Let's say that. The father knows best. (laughs) Even when we don't understand. So he says, don't be like the hypocrites doing it publicly or doing it for the purpose to be seen by others, but rather do it privately. He knows what you need before you ask. So here's how you should pray. Our father who's there, come here. Our father who art in heaven, first worship. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I can't emphasize to you enough how important worship is. Worship no matter what. Here's your best advice I could give you. Never, ever stop being distracted by the lobby and checking out during the worship. Stop being sidetracked by style and preference. If it's too loud on the sides, get in the middle. If you're too distracted by the people, get to the front. Whatever it takes, get your hands up and praise them. If it's static or reverb or blowing up or you didn't like the song, I don't care. You didn't know the words, it doesn't matter. Worship is a posture and position of the heart. Father, I'm worshiping you because without you, I'm nothing and I love you and I trust you. It's not about what you can do, but who you are. You've been so good and so faithful. You rescued me when I was downcast, when I had no one in my life. I'm gonna worship you. So worship first. Lord, I'm worshiping you. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. This is that premise of heavenly position and invading. Let your kingdom there come here. I need the kingdom of God in my house because without it, I'm sidetracked. I need the vision of the heavenly father and a heavenly perspective. Otherwise, trust me, kids will make you manifest. We got animals, we got kids, we got pressures, we got all kinds of stuff. And if I'm not living in a heavenly perspective with a heavenly vision, I'm going to manifest in the flesh. And then I'm going to constantly be having to apologize to my wife and my kids. And they still forgive and God still forgives. But there's always a better way. I want to become a heavenly man. That's going to be one of the titles in this series. I don't want to be a man of dust. I don't want to be a man of the earth anymore. Listen, this is a message you have to catch. There's something in this message for you. Get, you got to get out of this earthly realm and get into the heavenly so you can come back. We go there and come back. We go to the throne. That's why we're seated there. 
There's going to be a whole series on heavenly places. Why are you seated there? Keep your seat, keep your position here because you're seated there. You're two places at one time. So now you're, you change from being this begging orphan son to, becoming, to coming into agreement with authority in your identity as an ambassador at the city gate. So just as an earthly father sharpens the arrows in his quiver and it's a perfect archer hitting the bullseye and now there's no shame at the city gates, now you're the one that is bringing no shame at the city gates to the heavenly father's name. That's why I'm constantly praying at city council meetings, ethics commission, meeting with city leaders. Why? Why am I doing it? It's more than just trying to drive back dark agendas that the enemy has in our public schools and in the laws being passed. It's more than that. If they don't get the heavenly father's heart, they'll lead from a behavior modification, wrong tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil perspective. And somebody's got to go there. How about you and me? Sitting at the city gates is biblical. Yes. Positioning elders in the cities. Think of all the great leaders. I think of Josiah. When Josiah came on board, he drove back all of the, the demonic temples and reinstated the kingdom of God with elders in all the cities of the land. Man, I'm not going to finish this message today, but I'm going to give it all I got. Here we go. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it's for, forgive us as we forgive others. So the father knows best and he knows in advance. God already knows. Now he wants you to come into agreement and alignment. That's why if you don't understand God's word and you don't read the Bible, then you're not going to know what God has said. And some of you are like, God, what are you saying? You're pleading with God. Give me a word. Give me a vision. He's like, man, I gave you 66 books. I have so much instruction for you. Read that and I'll breathe on it. Nobody gets to bypass this process. I'm not any better or bigger or badder or more awesome than you. I fight the same fight. I put my pants on the same way. I go to the bathroom the same way. I deal with the same pressures every day. No one gets to bypass the process of spending time in God's word. And nobody gets to get the breath, the, the, the instruction and the guidance and all the things that come without understanding who he is and what he said. Surrender and instruction. And he breathes life into you. So you stop living haphazard. Haphazard is not a fruit of the spirit. Do any of you feel like you're living haphazard? There's days I'm like, man, I, this is crazy. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes this life is just about hanging on. I feel like some days I'm just hanging on. And God says, hang on. I'm like, man, I, there's, I've been in so much spiritual warfare. It's like spiritual vertigo. It's like the world starts spinning. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And all the stuff, the news, the media, the world, my kids, the battles, the str struggles, the challenges. And God's like, get your eyes on me. It's all swirling around. Trust the heavenly, the heavenly, the heavenly father. Because I'm coming from a new place. I'm coming from above your place. I'm coming from another space to invade your space. Can, you've got to understand this. He is a heavenly, heavenly father. What's being done there is being done here. It's his will invading my will. Matthew 6, 14. Forgiveness. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. How can we not Forgive when God has forgiven you so abundantly. 
And you know that scripture in Matthew 6 is so important. It's so powerful because we have to understand that the heavenly father does to us so we can do to others in the same way. And the minute I start thinking somebody else is so much more jacked up, he looks at me and says, you were just as jacked up. You may not have done the same things, but you had the same issues. And if it wasn't for my mercy, you would have done the same things they did. So the father, I love how much the father talks about forgiveness because there's no bitterness, anger, strife, or division in the heavenlies. And there's none of that comes from his heart. That's not who he is. So you need who he is to come into who you are. I'm going to say that again. You need who he is to come into who you are. He's a father above hatred. And in turn, he calls us to be above it. He's above that. Be above it. Let's say that. Be above it. Matthew 6, 26 and 27. In the context of trust and provision. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. I'm fascinated by creation. We have 80 oak trees in our, in, in our yard, 80, and all kinds of birds. And many times when I've been in fear, I've sat there and I've watched them gather and, I, and God says, look at them. You're going to learn a lesson from creation. The tree's not in fear. The, beer, the bird's not in fear. They're not worried. They're completely trusting. And then God goes on to say, how much more valuable are you than them? Yes. And he says, you can't add one arm's length, 18 inches. You can't add one arm to your life by worrying. Worrying is a result of a lack of trust in a heavenly father. It's a lack of rest. You can come at me from all angles. I can be persecuted and pressed down, shake. It doesn't matter what you go through. You are resilient You got a father fighting on your behalf. You are not the person that you used to be. Stop living like that old you. Stop. You're not an orphan. You're not in in the kingdom of of the power of darkness anymore. So the father feeds, he provides. There's no place in the Bible, husbands, that says, and you shall be the provider. He's the provider. There's provision that comes from his position. He's a heavenly father, Matthew 6, 32 and 33, in the context of worry. Because some of you, man, depression, anxiety, nightmares, sleepless nights. Listen, I have made it. I have made a decision. I'm going to sleep. And I mean sleep. And I'm going to stand on God's word. Because I'm, I'm tired of being robbed in the night. I'm tired of tossing and turning. I'm going to meditate on God's word and the sweet sleep he's going to give me. Ask my wife. She's like, I don't, in a minute, I'm asleep. Because I can't add a more, 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes to my life because I was afraid. Why are you allowing the situation to rob you? You're being robbed. Say no to the robbery. Stand on the love of the father. You can't, 
this worry thing is so big. Look at Matthew 6, 32. After all these things the Gentiles seek, if you actually study the scripture out, it's what am I going to wear? It really comes down to money and provision. It really comes down to food and drink. Think how much we think about food. If I just start, gonna start talking about fajitas and steak and lobster, <laughs> you, your mouths start watering. And y'all already went to your favorite restaurant. I mean, it's not that hard. I know where y'all are at. Dragonfly, here we go. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. So first, instead of seeking that, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? Everything will be added to you. The father knows what you need better than you do. And instead of worry and chasing after our fears, we trust in his provision and chase after his kingdom and what that produces. And when you chase after the kingdom, you get added to. God says more, 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 more. More, not struggles, challenges, hardship, but the good things, the promises, the provision, and the things that you need. So there's so much more I have here, but I'm going to leave you with Luke 11:13. 13. I'm going to just jump to this one. There's so much about mercy and compassion. I love the story. I'm not going to tell you about it, but the story of the unforgiving servant, the father had mercy and forgave you of all your debt. And then the servant went and threw all the people that owed him money in jail. And until they paid him and the Lord was ticked and he's like prison it's bad gonna be bad for you and then he goes on to say you better forgive and have mercy and compassion just like he forgave you of all your debts some of you are still living in bitterness and forgiveness towards your earthly father or people or situations and I get it but you got to let go and forgive forgive them for they know not what they do and some of you have been through the most horrible situations like Luis talked about on Wednesday night horrible hard situations whipped beat I've I've prayed for people who've been sat on hot stoves with their pants down and their whole life their whole life was affected But the minute you bring the blood of Jesus and ask God to forgive in that situation, there's the minute you stop being like your dad. Because you may not act out the same way, but you will still have that same thing hidden inside your heart. And it'll come out in other ways. And I want to love perfectly. I got a dad that abandoned me and still doesn't want anything to do with me. But you know what? I got a better dad. He's the dad that I never had. He's the best dad that you'll ever have. And because you got a great dad, why are you worried and afraid of? He's the Lord of all. He's heavenly. He's above it all. So what is it that you're actually holding on to? Why are you protecting your identity? It's not about us anymore. My identity is in him. It doesn't matter what you see and think and say. When Jesus got famous for healing people and the miraculous, it says, and the fame of the Lord spread everywhere. So Jesus posted another post, did another video. Those weren't going on, but I'm using that example. No, he retreated to the wilderness. And so finally in Luke 11, 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? He's the best dad. All you need to do is ask and trust and he'll give you the best gift. What is the best gift? Is it a new car? Is it a better job? Is it a ATV, UTV? Is it another horse? Is it another thing? Is, I, don't, I don't know what it is, a better job? You can think of all the things. None of those, none of those can compare to the best gift of all, the Holy Spirit. Because with the Holy Spirit comes spiritual authority, positional authority. 
It, it comes power to love, to get the fruit of the Spirit. The first one is love. I can't even love you without the Holy Spirit. Because in my natural, man, I'd want to rip most people's heads off. <laughs> but because of the Holy Spirit, the best gift of all, how much more? The premise of the scripture is you think that you're good, he's better. You think that you're giving your kids something good, he gives even better. So I'd like to ask you all to stand. And I'd like to ask my prayer partners to come up, my ministry team, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this over you. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit today if you need to come up here. If you've questioned his goodness, live like an orphan. If you've got selfishness and you just say, man, I, I don't want it anymore. Fighting, striving, division. We're going to pray for you today. But close your eyes and listen to me say this over you. Where your dad failed in giving you the true best, God will never fail in giving you his heart. The most important necessity in life, his spirit. And with him, you can accomplish and do all things according to his will. You can forgive, you can overcome, you can have the power to set the captives free. You can see your dad that doesn't know the Lord get set free. He can reconcile you with your worst enemy. The Bible says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him.